First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 18 and verse 19. On the way over there, let's make a few confessions. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord is, my light. is my light. He is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? I fear not. For the Lord is on my side. The greater one indwells me. God's not given me a spirit of fear. But a power and a love. And of a sound mind. Father, we approach your word today with a sense of awe. We approach it, Lord, with open hearts. We pray that the eyes of our spirits would be flooded with light, that our hearts would be strengthened, and that we would leave this place encouraged and built up. We thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 19, it says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your feigned conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. So number one, we see that we were not redeemed with something that, is imper- that, that can perish or something that is corruptible. Money could not buy our salvation. Gold could not buy our deliverance. But we were bought, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ. Now, Brenda talked about the blood of Jesus as we, uh, as we prayed for one another. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, I don't know whether we have this translation or not, but I'm going to read it to you. It's from the New Century Version. New Century Version, verse 18 says... You know that in time past, you were living in a worthless way. How many of you were living in a worthless way once upon a time? Amen. You were living in a worthless way, a way passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. Thank God. You were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, who was like a pure and perfect lamb. So the first thing I can see from this is you and I, we've been saved from being worthless. And we have been saved from being useless. I'm not looking at any worthless people this morning. I'm not looking at any useless people this morning. There was not enough money in the world that could buy your soul. How valuable is a soul? There's only one thing that could redeem the souls of men and women. And it is the precious blood of Christ. There is life in the blood. This blood that Jesus shed for us was completely pure. It was completely perfect. And you and I, we have been bought, we have been purchased with a price. And that says volumes to us about how much he loves us, how much he values us, and how important we are 
to him. So I want to lay a foundation this morning by asking you a question. You ready? Who are you? Who are you? He was willing to go to great lengths to purchase you. You know, the angels at one time were quoted at saying they looked upon man and they looked upon how much that God loved them. And in, uh, in Psalms 8, 4, here's what the angel said. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. Glory to God. He is mindful of us. He is mindful of your household. He is mindful of my coming in and my going out. He's mindful of us on, on Sunday morning. He's mindful of us on Monday morning. We are on his mind. And he has good things in store for those he's purchased and for those he's highly valued. Hallelujah. Thank God, say it with me, I'm on his mind. And one of the things that's on his mind is that he would said he would increase us more and more. Amen. I believe we serve a God of increase, not a God of decrease. A God of blessing and not a God of cursing. A God of healing and not a God of sickness and disease. A God of wealth and not a God of poverty. You believe that? Look at your neighbor and look him square in the eye and say, who are you? Who are you? All of us, every one of us, have some sense of identity in the natural realm, don't we? In other words, who am I? Who was I? Well, of course, I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the son of John L. and Francis Ann Thomas. Grew up in a Catholic school, went to Catholic schools, and we could rehearse my whole life from a natural perspective. But we're not talking about that. Because your value must be based upon something that you cannot lose. Now, here's the crux of this message. And I want you to put your ears on today. And I want you to listen very carefully. If your identity, if my identity is based on anything that we could lose or you could lose... It's based on the wrong thing. It's based on the wrong thing. Now, growing up, you know, many of you went to grade schools. You went to junior high and you went to high school. And we understand that a lot of young people's identity is based on perhaps, can they sing? Are they good looking? Are they athletic? Is that person a cheerleader? Uh, Their identity is based mostly on what they do and not who they are. And what happens is when people get old enough and they're no longer the cheerleader or they're no longer the athlete or they're no longer the singer in the glee club or whatever the case may be or the student council president, when they begin to grow and to get old, unless they have a solid foundation of who they are and what they have in Christ Jesus, 
they can get very discouraged. And it opens up the door for depression. And a lot of people talk about, you know, the good old days and what they used to do and what they used to be. I got a clue for you. No one really cares. You know, you've heard the old saying, the older you get, the better you, uh, older you get, are, the better you, you get, or the better you were. There's a lot of people like that. Well, thank God, I believe we ought to have a current testimony. We ought to know who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. And it's really important when little ones come into the earth that they have the proper sense of worth. They have the proper sense of value. How many of you know the enemy knows that? And the enemy is the accuser and he is the devaluer of mankind. Playgrounds are just filled with ridicule and filled with bullying and filled with anti-Christian type things. And even sometimes parents, because they don't know who they are in Christ. You know, if you're, you're not born again, there's no way you can know who you are in Christ. But sometimes parents say things like, well, you'll not amount to anything. You'll be behind bars by the time you're 18. I heard that from the nuns. You're not going to make it. You're no good. How many of you know that can make a lasting impression on a young spirit or on a young person? But you and I, we're not called to run down. We're not called to tear down. We're called to build up. We're called to bless. And we're called to encourage everyone that's around us. And it's really serious business. Look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse. I'm going to look at it in the NLT. Matthew 5:22, the NLT says, But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone... You're in danger of the fires of hell. The Young's literal translation says this. But I say unto you that everyone who is angry at his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever may say to his brother, you empty fellow. Another translation says, you good for nothing. Still another says, you cursed fool. You empty headed idiot. Another translation says, loser or fool or scum will have to answer to the high court. Now listen very carefully. If God esteems mankind of high value and high worth and sent his son to shed his precious blood for precious people and we tear down his workmanship... We are in serious trouble of being judged. Now the good news is if you have been used like that in days past and now you're born again, it's under the blood. But now that you are in Christ, we must choose the words that we speak extremely carefully. 
and make sure that we never allow ourselves to be used of the enemy. Never allow ourselves to degrade our brothers or to degrade our sisters, our sisters, or to judge them or to be critical of them. You know, if you don't know what to say, just hush up. Here's a good principle. Either build up or hush up. Amen? And so the enemy, he walks about as a roaring lion, trying to get Christians upset with other Christians and degrade them. But say with me, that ain't me. I am a lifter. I am a blesser of all people. You know, there's a few people that I'll be eternally grateful for. One is Dad Hagen. I mean, Dad Hagen always spoke words of faith over my life. Always spoke words of encouragement to those that were under him in ministry. Oh, words of faith build one up. Words of hope cause you to look at your future and say, I can do this in and through Christ Jesus. Have you had a person in your life that has mentored you and been a blessing to you and been an encouragement to you? Men and women like that are gifts from God. Why don't we be gifts from God to other people around us? Why don't we lift up the discouraged? Amen? Now, You'll never be able to encourage someone in the Lord if you yourself are not encouraged in the Lord. And that's why the Bible says that David, when all hell broke loose all around him, here's what David did. David encouraged himself in the Lord. I believe what the Lord is looking for in this church and in the body of Christ is some spiritual Barnabases. Who was Barnabas? Barnabas is called the son of consolation. Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. Hallelujah. Pray this with me. Lord, use me to be a blessing, to impart faith, to impart courage, and to add value to people. I've got a question for you this morning. Do our words matter? How much do they matter? Well, the scripture says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It is a matter of death or life concerning the words that we speak. So I want to encourage coaches and teachers and parents and friends that your words can hurt or help. Your words can encourage or discourage Your words can affect someone's self-worth or your words can hurt their confidence. Use your words. Use your influence in the marketplace. Use your words in the home to your wife and to your husband to speak life, to speak love, to speak words of faith to them. You know, a recent study was done and it said that three out of ten people that you meet are broken-hearted about something. Three out of ten people. What an opportunity for you who are light to bring light into darkness. 
What an opportunity for you that enjoy the Zoe, abundant God kind and God quality of life to move into a situation where there's death and speak words of life. Hallelujah. What an opportunity for you and I whose love God has so freely shed abroad in our hearts to be able to speak love to people that have never, ever known or sensed the agape kind of love. Glory to God. Every day is an opportunity to be a blessing. My spiritual father, Dad Hagen, would wake up in the morning and he'd pray something like this, Lord, help me to be a blessing to someone today. Let's raise our hands up right now. It's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. Say it with me. Lord, help me to be a blessing to somebody today. Connect me, Lord, with people that need encouragement. Hallelujah. As a parent, every day you should tell your children you're smart, you're kind. You're important. Tell them that they are of great value. Put courage into someone. Cheer them on in their race that they're running on this earth. You see, words are power-packed. Words, faith-filled words, they dominate the laws of sin and death that are all around us. Faith-filled words... And love-filled words trump all of the enemy's words. Trump all of the enemy's imaginations. Words filled with faith, words filled with love are containers. And as you speak them, they are sent into the hearts and into the minds of the people that God has sent your way. Hallelujah. And it builds them up and it encourages them. Amen. Now, words are also important, the words that we speak about ourselves. We need to be mindful of the words we are saying to ourselves on a regular basis. You know, you're healed people trying to, to be humble, but it's not really humility. It's kind of a, a false humility. You'll hear them say things like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not so much. I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, you know, I, I used to be, you know, this person or that person. I'm okay. I'm pretty good. I pray sometimes. You know, I, I, I give sometimes. I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm pretty good. God wants us to go from being pretty good to awesome and really good. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, you know what? I, I've just messed stuff up. I'm a failure. Well, based on what? No one in the eyes of the Creator is a failure. You may have failed, but you ain't a failure. As a matter of fact, you and I, we are the apple of His eye. We are His workmanship, and every hair on our head, He numbers and knows every one of them. That's awesome, man. Glory to God. I am not a failure. I am more than a conqueror. Say that with me real, real strong today. In Christ Jesus, I'm more than, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I am the apple of his eye. 
I am his workmanship. Thank God. From before, listen, from before the foundation of the earth, he wanted you. Even though he knew all the dumb stuff we would do, he still wanted us. Because our value is precious. And we have been bought and purchased with a price. You know, back in the 70s, I got born again in uh, 1975 in a little town west of Minneapolis called Wilmer, Minnesota. How many of you got my email this week? You saw the email. So you saw the hospital I was in and you saw the little home or shack, I call it, that I lived in. You know, God's brought me a long, long way. And I know where I've come from. But I know now who I am in Christ. And I recognize and realize that God has a purpose for Mark Thomas's life. Amen. Amen. And he's got a purpose for your life. Yes, he does. Amen. But uh, I'm thinking a lot about the secrets of sobriety emphasis that we're going to be doing in the church. Um, I believe that's going to be in August, right? And uh, I've written down a list of several things that have helped me uh, to to maintain freedom from drugs, maintain freedom from alcohol, maintain freedom from lousy attitudes and different things like that. And one of the main things, I'll be honest with you, one of the main things that has really, really helped me to stay on the straight and narrow is the confessing of God's Word. You know, back in the 70s, way back in 75 and and 76, Charles Capp wrote a little book called God's Creative Power. And God's creative power will work for you. Amen? And in that book, there were, oh, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 or 70 confessions. And I would declare that every day. I would say things like, I'm part of the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me. I am of God and have overcome Satan, for greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm far from oppression, and fear does not come near me. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper, for my righteousness is of the Lord. I'm born of God. I've got world-overcoming faith residing on the inside of me, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when the devil would knock on the door of my soul and try to remind me of my past, I would do like Dr. Jerry Savelle says, I would simply remind him of his past. How that Jesus triumphed over death, hell, and the grave and literally paralyzed him and locked him up in the name of Jesus. And he has the keys of hell and heaven. Amen? And so when the enemy would come and toy with my mind, I'd say this, Jesus gave me authority. Thank God for the authority Pastor Tom has. Thank God for the authority that Reverend George has. But he's given you authority. Amen? Amen? He's given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, in other words, whatever you stop on earth, hallelujah, heaven backs you up. When we say heaven's got your back, we ain't kidding. Say it with me, heaven's got my back. And so every one of us have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. One of the greatest keys that we have is proclaiming the word of God boldly in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And so I would say this, Jesus gave me authority to use his name. He said, that which I bind on earth is bound in heaven. 
And that which I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind the principalities. I bind the powers. I bind the rulers of the darkness of this age, and I render them harmless and ineffective against me, my family, my ministry, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Somebody says, do you think that worked? No, I don't think it works. I know it works. And so way back there in the 70s, I've been speaking the Word of God for about 40 years now. And I'm here to tell you that God's Word works. But He's looking for men and women that will work the Word. He's looking for men and women that will believe the Word and speak the Word and act on God's Word. Then and only then will you start walking in the blessing that's already been bought and paid for you over 2,000 years ago. And so we have these wonderful confession lists. And I still speak the Word of God every day. I'm stirred up about faith-filled words. I know it'll change a person's body. I know that it'll change the chemicals in a person's brain if there's imbalances. I know that will it affect you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I know that this word believed and spoken will always cause you to triumph over poverty and lack because God says he'd meet your every need. Say it with me, my God... He's my God, and He supplies my every need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we would talk about who we are and what we have in Christ. Do you realize who you are in Christ Jesus? And does it reflect in what you are saying about yourself? Not who you are on the job. Not who you are on the field. Not what you do in your vocation. I'm talking about who you are in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, and your identity is based on that, you will never lose it, and it will never be taken away. Look at Matthew quickly, if you would. Matthew chapter 7. In verse 21, he says this, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So evidently their identity was in things that they had done. And then Jesus goes on and says this. Here's what's important. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Say it with me. Upon a rock. Upon a rock. Upon a rock. And in verse 25 it says, And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doesn't do them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain came, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Why? Why? Because it was built on something 
that could be moved. It was built on something that could be lost. But your identity and my identity is built on the rock-solid foundation of the unchanging Word of God. We'll never ever know who we are until we find out who He is. We'll never know what we are until we find out what He is. And until we discover that in Christ Jesus we've been joined unto Him and we've become one spirit with Him. In the mind of God, He doesn't see you in you. How many of you know in you, you can do nothing? In you, you have nothing. But my Father looks at us through eyes of redemption, through eyes of the precious blood of Jesus, and He doesn't see you what you used to be. He sees you as a covenant man or a covenant woman in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been joined into the Lord. I've become one with Him. You know, people spend their lives many times, especially when they're young. I think about Bayless Conley, a friend of ours that pastors a great church in Southern California called Cottonwood. (laughs) And Bayless kind of came out of the same lifestyle that I did. And Bayless was a searcher, and he was searching for truth and I think he may have gone to India to to find out what life is all about and people do that you know they 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 go to the latest guru and they go to 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 find out who they are through fortune tellers or they have philosophies of life and they're still trying to discover their true self you don't want to find out who you are in you. I don't want to find out who I am in the flesh. Because in ourselves, we ain't much. But in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. In Christ. And so I want to give you a few scriptures this morning to look at some things that will help us and this Truth can be built into our hearts real strong. Let me just quote a few of them to you for the sake of time. I'll have you look at a couple. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:10. He said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. Say that with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Now let's look at this one, Galatians chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 20. Galatians, the second chapter, in the 20th verse. Here's who you are. This can't be lost when you're a child of God. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Let's read it together, shall we? Ready, read. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Who's living in you? Christ. 
Let's read the rest. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So we see here that Christ lives in us. Now let's look at Colossians, the third chapter. And notice with me in verse 3. Colossians, the third chapter, and verse 3. Great verse of Scripture. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, set those, uh, seek those things which are above, not on things of the earth. And then he goes on to say in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3. You can turn there if you would. Colossians, the third chapter and the third verse. Here's what it says. For you are dead. For you are dead. And your life is hid with who? Where? What do you mean I'm dead? I'm breathing. No, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about you're dead to sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you any longer. When it talks about for you are dead, you can be dead to your flesh. Dead to disease. Dead to being judged. Hallelujah. You're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Thank you, Lord. Say it with me. I'm dead. And my life is hid with Christ in God. Now let me quote these two to you while we look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. I'll quote a couple of scriptures to you. These are real familiar to you. Therefore, if any man be where? In Christ. He is what? A new creation or new creature. Old things are passed away. Thank you, Lord. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have what? Become new. Then go down just a few verses. 2 Corinthians 5.21 for says this. For he, God, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now say this with me real strong. I am, I am a new creation. A new creation. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. I am now in Christ. Christ is in me. I'm brand new. Old things are passed away. Hallelujah. Now declare this. Jesus has been made unto me wisdom. Notice this. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Don't, this, don't let this be too simple to you. Don't let this be too elementary to you. When this dawns on your spirit and takes root in your life, it'll change your life forever. That means that you will no longer allow people to put labels on you. That means that you are no longer deficient in and of yourself, but your sufficiency is in God. So notice this. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God 
is made unto us wisdom. In Christ Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All that you'll never need to know. <clears throat> all that you'll never need to, to have is in the wisdom of God. He's made unto me wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Jesus is your sanctifier. He will separate you from things of this world and things of the flesh. And he is my redeemer. Oh, come on. Do you know that your redeemer lives today? Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I have the mind of Christ. You can't lose that. Because your identity and your worth is hooked in him and through him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice with me in verse 16. He says, For you are, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are. That's us. We are the temple of the dead God. No, thank God, in spite of what people may say, that God is dead. He's the living God. This living God lives in me. He, moves, he moved out of the holy of holies into your temple. Say it with me, I am the temple of the living God. Now notice this. As God has said, I'm not opposed to believing what God has said. How about you? He said, I will dwell in them. When God says, I'm going to dwell in you and walk in you and be your God and you shall be my people, that means that you are highly valued of him. Amen. That's who you are. That's what we have. Amen. And then quickly go over to Galatians chapter 3. Notice with me in verse 26 and verse 27. Galatians three twenty-six says, for you are all, what? You are all the children of God. By faith, where? Hallelujah. God doesn't look at me as the Thomas boy. He looks at me as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Verse 29 says, read it with me. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now go quickly to Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Galatians, the fourth chapter, and the sixth and seventh verse. says, and because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. Verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm an heir of God. You're an heir of God. The message says this. If you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. The Amplified of Romans 8, 17 says, And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs or joint heirs with Christ. And I love this. Sharing his inheritance with him i'm an heir of god i'm a joint heir with jesus 
The word joint heir in the Greek means this, one who is in union together with an inheritor. Hallelujah. And then lastly, look at Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. Colossians, the second chapter, verses 6 through 10. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, verse 7, and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. How many of you know there's a lot out there in the world that is philosophical, but it doesn't line up with the Word of God? No matter what this person says or what this person does, You've got to line everything up through the lens of God's Word. In other words, if it doesn't line up with the Word, then you and I don't have to accept it. If it doesn't line up with what the B-I-B-L-E teaches, no matter how popular it may be, no matter how the world's stream and the world's system is going that way, You and I don't have to accept the world's way because we've made the decision many, many years ago, we're going the Word's way. And you will find that the Word's way is counter to the world's way. Amen. And so we see then that you and I have been given a lens. We've been given a lens. Life and how you know it and how you see it is according to what lens you're looking through. That's why he says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the lens of liberty, the lens of God's word, this is the man This is the woman that will align their life with the kingdom of God and not the kingdoms of this world. Amen. Amen. So when the world says we're going broke, we go to the word. The word says God ain't poor no more. And so when the world says this time of year, everyone gets the flu. What ought to rise up on the inside of you, I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm not subject to the flu. I'm subject to the 91st Psalm, which says, No evil is going to befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Amen. Amen. And so when the world says the economy is going down the tubes and when Wall Street says you just never know what's going to happen to the economy one day up, one day down, 
What ought to rise up on the inside of you? I am in a kingdom that is unshakable, and I shall not be, I shall not be moved, because my heart is established, and it is fixed, and I trust in my God. When I say I'm trusting in God, I'm saying I'm trusting in His Word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You could go a lot of places with this today. But we don't have time to. What's popular with the world is not necessarily according to the Word. So all I'm saying is this. You've got to line everything up. Everything. With the Word. What does the Word say about that? And you have to be very careful because some people are wise in this world and they'll try to twist scriptures to make it say something that it's not saying at all. So therefore, you've got to be very studious concerning the Word of God. And that's why it's important for all of us to study. That's what we're doing this morning. We're just studying. We're just rehearsing who we are in Christ. Amen? And that's why it says, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly doing what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, but not after Christ. Now notice in verse 9, read it with me. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, what? And here's what I want you to see. Did you wear your shouting clothes this morning? Some of you did, some of you didn't. Always come to church with your shouting clothes on. Amen. Always come to church with your garment of praise on. And don't hang the garment of praise up in the choir room after you leave. Amen? Let me ask you one more time. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Hallelujah! And you will be complete in Him when you finish that project. And you will be complete in Him. No. Read it, verse 10. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Hallelujah! We used to sing a song, complete, complete, complete in Him. I am complete in Him. Hallelujah! (laughs) I'm complete. So I don't need anyone to complete me. I don't need a reaction from how I preach to complete me. I walked into this place complete. I walked into this place whole, and I'll leave this place complete, and I'll leave this place whole. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We're just really getting warmed up. Praise the Lord. Well, God's good all the time, and all the time God is good.